Axios Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas Bank here. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, karma for a big name activist investor and the one regulator that doesn't seem concerned about Facebook's plans for Libra. But first, political chess or checkers. We're now three days removed from President Trump's inflammatory tweets about the so-called squad. Four freshman congresswomen of color who he tweeted should go back to the countries where they came from, even though three of them were born in America. And even though his love it or leave it rhetoric is incompatible with the basic idea of make America great again, since that slogan implies America isn't great already. And let alone the many times Trump has called America stupid or pathetic or its leadership incompetent. And yes, Trump didn't explicitly mention the color of the congresswomen's skin, but there is no fair contextual reading that doesn't conclude racism. But that's not what we're here to litigate this morning. Instead, our question is if what Trump is doing is intentional or spontaneous, chess or checkers. It's pretty easy to assume the latter, particularly given this all began with tweets and we all have access to Twitter and sometimes do things off the cuff. But Axios CEO Jim Vandehei this morning argues that Trump is engaged in a calculated strategy designed to boost electoral turnout of older white voters. And part of the proof, he writes, is in how the president's campaign is engaging with voters via Facebook. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Jim Vandehei. But first, this. Ping pong tables, kombucha on tap, and open floor office plans are nice, but your startup will need more to succeed. With Silicon Valley Bank, you'll get a banking and financial partner with more than 35 years of experience helping founders move their bold ideas forward faster. Silicon Valley Bank, ideas, bank here. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. We're joined now by Axios CEO Jim Vandehei. This morning, you wrote that the idea that kind of Trump is winging this or what's happened over the past couple of days with the tweets, it's not just happenstance, that you're arguing this is a calculated strategy. Yeah, I think people are way too quick to dismiss it of, ah, Trump being Trump and just improvisationally shot off a tweet. Having spent time with the guy, talking to lots of people around him, He's much more calculated when it comes to the media, and he's much more calculated about his campaign. And he knew exactly the response that he would get from sending that tweet. He knew exactly the backlash that he would face. And in his mind, it's all worth it because he understands that he has a narrow path to reelection and that he has to stir up the white vote as high as humanly possible, regardless of the consequence of anything he does in the moment. He knows that he has the longest leash in the history of presidential candidates and that his base is never going to hold a a negative word against him. And to him, he feels like, listen, I've got a year before there's a Democratic nominee. If I can define the Democratic Party as AOC and the squad and socialism, that that would work to his benefit, regardless of who the nominee is. Can he do that, though, Jim? Because you say he will eventually have an opponent and whoever that opponent is, is going to become the de facto face or at least versus him. It's not going to be AOC on the debate stage. It's going to be Biden or Sanders or Warren or Harris or whoever else. I don't think he has thought it this deeply. People around him have. This is a test run. He's trying to see right now Pelosi wants to define the Democratic Party differently, and he's testing whether or not he can glue Pelosi and the Democratic Party to the squad. What he wants to do is at the minute there's a nominee, do the same thing. Either they have to embrace these Democrats, many of them consider themselves socialists, or they have to be at war with these Democrats who are self-described socialists. Either way, he would calculate he's a winner in that. And again, I'm not saying it's a good strategy. I'm not saying it's a wise strategy. I'm not saying it's a righteous strategy. I'm just saying there is more strategy there than people 
think. When you talk to him, particularly when you talk to him sort of off camera, he puts a lot of thought into the media component of the presidency. He knows when he pushes different buttons what the response will be. And unlike any other human being, he doesn't care if there's hand-wringing or if he offends people or if he hurts people or if he does something that no other political figure of the last 50 years would do. He's lacking that gene. Or he has like an insert of a new gene where he just does not care. Jim, one final kind of political strategy question. You said you don't know if it's right or wise. Just on what you said, kind of the idea that his goal is kind of ramp up uh, the white vote and particularly the older white vote. So kind of racial politics question here. Doesn't he also run the risk of ramping up the black vote, which if you look back at 2016, black turnout was a problem for Hillary Clinton vis-a-vis what Obama had gotten? Huge risk. There's no doubt. And that's why there's a lot of people in the White House that disliked the tweet. He disagrees. But yes, I think that there's not just African-Americans and Hispanics and Asians, but I think there's a lot of suburban white women who are deeply uncomfortable, who might, under some scenario, vote for Trump that when he says things like this, make it maybe even impossible for them to do so. I think what he's saying is, well, yeah, but I also think there's four or five percent in the vote that is a swing white Democrat who's never going to tell a pollster they'll vote for me, that if I play this right, they're not going to show up in the polling data just like they didn't show up last time. They're going to plug their nose. They're not going to like me morally, but they're going to like my policies over anything that smacks of socialism. Like Again, not saying it's a a smart strategy. I'm just saying there is more strategy to it than I think is being assigned. You also write this morning that he and his campaign use Facebook as an incubator. What do you mean by that? If you look at the spending, so one of the mistakes the media makes is we spend so much time hyperventilating about what somebody says on a cable show that might have 800,000 viewers. We don't spend enough time looking at what's actually moving the needle where most people are getting their information, which is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, social media broadly. And Trump is way outspending Democrats in totality, all the Democrats combined, on Facebook. And what he does is he uses his campaign in a pretty savvy way. They just sit there and test message after message after message. A lot of almost half of it in a given week on immigration, like what moves the needle with white voters, but also how can he talk about immigration in a way that might appeal to the 30, 35% of Hispanics who might consider voting for Trump. And so Facebook is very much as incubator. They test these messages, the things that work, they put more money into it. Eventually you might see them in a television ad. Eventually you might see whatever messaging works brought into what he might say in a speech. And so I think people make a mistake when they just think it's all improvisation and it's all bravado and nonsense when in fact there's stuff that's happening under the ground where the stuff is kind of institutionalized, which I'd argue makes it worse, right? That the fact that it's premeditated uh, makes it even worse that he kind of knew the effect he would have. It's such BS when he says, oh, like I don't have a racist bone in my body. And like, and some people say, oh, he just sent out a tweet. No, because he sent out not just that tweet. He sent out clarifying tweets to make it clear what he meant the first time around. And then he even went before the cameras and amplified it. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to stir people up. And that makes it all the more dangerous. Like my worry is this campaign is going to be far more racial, far more toxic, far more nasty than the last time around. And I know that's hard for people to get their heads around because the last election was pretty wild. After Charlottesville, we saw a lot of big business CEOs and companies come out with public statements. And also there was at the time a CEO council that they were able to quit, which they don't have now because it's been disbanded. Are you surprised that we have heard relatively little from kind of Fortune 500 CEOs on this? To be honest, I hadn't thought about it until you just brought it up, but I am, because in the fact when we when we had anything from the Muslim ban to some of the more toxic moments in the immigration debate to, to Charlottesville, you did hear more 
from corporate leaders, and you've heard, best I can tell, very little, if any, from them. Again, there's a similar dynamic to what you see with Republicans, that these CEOs are so fearful that you tick off Trump and he sees it. He'll train his followers. He'll train his Twitter handle on you, and it can have a real effect on your company, or at least on your like your, your company standing with a certain segment of the country. So everyone just kind of wants to duck and hide. I am surprised there hasn't been more. Might be that the reporters have been so focused so far on what is the political reaction that there hasn't been as much questioning of the CEOs, but that's an interesting thing to watch. Jim Vandehei, CEO of Axios, thanks so much for joining us. My final two right after this. Have a great idea for a startup? Silicon Valley Bank wants to help you make it a reality. With more than 35 years of experience, they understand the challenges of the startup journey and have created banking and financial solutions to help founders every step of the way. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is some trouble for Bill Ackman, the famed activist investor. Now, Ackman runs his main fund out of the U.S., but he also manages a London-listed hedge fund that primarily takes stake in public North American companies like Chipotle and Lowe's. Now, it's this fund that's trying to issue about $400 million in new debt, but it's running into opposition from, you guessed it, an activist investor. It's an activist investor with just a 3% stake, but as Ackman has proved in the past, that's plenty to possibly scuttle a deal. I guess we could file this under karma. And finally, it has been a busy week in DC for Libra, the Facebook-aided cryptocurrency effort that many believe has a better chance of representing stable stored value than does Bitcoin, kind of actual digital currency as opposed to volatile digital gold. Now, on Capitol Hill, congresspeople today are grilling Facebook executive David Marcus for the second time, while Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin chimed in earlier this week in a press conference. One thing Facebook's Marcus said yesterday was that Libra's data and privacy protections will be overseen by Swiss regulators. But those Swiss regulators, well, they say they haven't heard from Facebook yet. Got to assume that a friend request is on its way. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great World Emoji Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.